Welcome to the Bonfire. I am your host, Morgan, aka Bon Diesel, and this is a podcast about video game news, reviews, rumors, and speculation. This week, I'll be covering Final Fantasy VII Rebirth's release, PlayStation's turn for layoffs, EA canceling a Star Wars game and laying people off, and much more. I promise it's not just layoff stories this time, for the most part. Before we get started, I'm going to replace the normal rigmarole of the podcast and YouTube and all that. This is where I'm going to do my you know once every year, once or twice a year thing where I say, if you're on a podcast app and that app allows you to rate my podcast, specifically Spotify or um, iTunes, please put a review in right now. Just hit five stars. Maybe leave a little blurb if you want. If anyone leaves a five-star review, I will, uh, I'll read it out on the next podcast. Why not? I'll try to check it. Um, and the same, you know, Spotify or iTunes. I would really appreciate it. I'm trying to grow this podcast this year, and it's actually shrinking a little bit. So just, you know, any of the interactions I can get through the podcast lane would be awesome. If you're on YouTube, please hit the like button on this video. Leave a comment down below with anything. You can say hello. You can type the word anything. You can ask a question or make a comment about something I talk about. Whatever you want. But that helps. Uh, in, in the hitting the like button and subscribing to the channel, obviously, if you aren't already. That would help me with YouTube. Outside of that, sharing, uh, especially social media, I post on Instagram, threads, Blue Sky, and Twitter. Uh, whenever these shows go up, if you can hit that like button on those, that's it. If you can retweet it, if you want to be super cool, if you want to quote tweet it or comment on the thing and say something about the podcast, uh, that would all really help. Um, I want to grow. I want to get to some number that feels good, that makes it feel worth doing it. And really, as long as there's anyone listening, I'll keep doing it. But I figured I would take the beginning of this podcast instead of doing the normal thing to just talk about this. If you want to support financially, that does help. Helps me upgrade stuff. It helps me justify the time I do this stuff with, um, you know, Patreon, uh, Twitch subscriptions, especially Prime, which is free for you. Uh, you know, YouTube memberships. If you want to do that stuff, you know, you do get stuff early. If you do that, whatever you want to do, I'm more worried about the the podcast, the the, the YouTube side of things of just getting more people to see the show, and that's where I'll end the spiel. Thank you ahead of time. And thank you to uh, everyone who supports as patrons, YouTube members, and Twitch subscribers. And a special thanks to producer-level page uh, supporter, Hassan. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, consider becoming a YouTube member, subscribing over on Twitch, especially with your Prime, uh, or joining my Patreon. Uh, links to all of those are in the description of the show. Gaming News. Starting off with our platforms, first off with Xbox, we have Toys for Bob, uh, most well-known for Spyro and Crash Bandicoot, but has mostly been a Call of Duty support studio for the last so many years, is going independent. They are leaving uh, ABK, and they're going to do their own thing, though it is uh, expected that their next game will be published through Xbox. That's not too surprising because they likely already had that stuff in place and there's a chance that game isn't that far away. And so uh, th th that's not that big of a deal. This is an interesting story. Um, I saw some commentators and journalists and stuff being like, oh, this is like 
This is the studio that Xbox needed to lose the least. Now, it kind of feels like these days that no matter what studio uh, they potentially lost, uh, the, it seems like that they would have said the same thing. This one's interesting because the, the idea is that with Crash um, and Spyro and stuff, like, you know, if you're Xbox and you want to make games that appeal to kids, you know, this is a studio you really want. And I, th I just... I didn't know they had made any of these games in years. Apparently they have. I knew they had the the, the kind of uh, the battle game for Crash recently that I think did like, okay, I think I even played it uh, for like a night. Um, and I guess there have been some Spyro games lately and Crash games lately. And it looks like they did fine, at least review wise. I don't know how they sold. Um, I suspect this isn't as big of a deal. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm sure Xbox would prefer to have them. But it also seems kind of interesting that, you know, when they decided to leave, I mean, in theory, Xbox could have just been like, now nah, we'll just shut your studio down. You know, like they, they didn't have to. Uh, I assume they bought themselves out is my guess. Um, but it seems like they're, they're being friendly with it. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if at least for a while they remain their publisher um, just because it's there's a familiarity there. So, um Kind of an interesting story, nothing too crazy. Uh, I, I think we're probably not going to get a lot of Xbox news until in June or whenever they do their summer showcase. Uh, I suspect after the craziness of a couple weeks ago, they are going to just kind of lay low for a couple months and, and not deal with that anymore. Moving over to PlayStation, who is definitely not laying low this week. Uh, PlayStation has laid off about 900 employees um, it's not that surprising that they laid people off. It's who got laid off. Um, for instance, London Studios, uh, who does, I guess, a lot of their VR games, uh, is getting shut down. They're, they're done. Um, as a kind of insult to injury, uh, it went around this week pictures that the developers at that studio were taking with Jim Ryan, who was there five days before they got shut down. Jim Ryan, the outgoing CEO, who would have definitely known this was coming, um, just there's been like talk about he, he was doing like retirement parties and stuff i doubt it it's probably just a ceo going around to studios it's something i assume they do fairly often we know phil spencer talks about that a lot and i'm sure jim ryan does it uh, or did it a lot as well um but it is like there is like a weird feel about him smiling in pictures with them you know knowing that they're all gonna get they're all gonna lose their jobs uh in less than a week um, just not good optics in my opinion, but I don't think PlayStation cares about optics. I think they've proven that repeatedly over the years and it's working for them, or at least it did. Um, they, I think what was even more surprising than, than them shutting down a studio, uh, were the, the studios that the layoffs hit the hardest. It sounds like insomniac, naughty dog, gorilla, fire sprite, and then a bunch of support teams, I guess. Um, I mean, those are pro those are their most costly studios. We know that from the leaks with Spider-Man. We know that from uh, some of the leaks with the, um, the ABK acquisition for Xbox. Uh, you know, even though some of these games, like Sp the Spider-Mans and the Horizons and all that, sell 20, 30 million copies, they cost, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars to make uh, or more. And one thing that people never really think about, or I, and I don't think is factored in, is if they say a game costs $250 million to make, 
Um, there's a really good chance that if the gaming industry is anything like the movie industry, you probably spent that much on marketing too. I suspect gaming is maybe a little less, you know, that way. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I see more game ads these days than I do uh, movies. That's also probably because I get targeted by game stuff. But um, I, I think what's really interesting is that we may be seeing some signs, and I think this has been, and it's part of this conversation, I think it was mentioned last week uh, when I talked about the stuff with how PlayStation may do more multi-platform stuff, um, where they typically expect a, a, a profit margin of around 30%. Um, it was, I believe, you know, the most recent quarter or whatever, it was around like 5%. Um, and that's, you know, and that's going down probably. So that's probably not sustainable. That's why we see them make moves like this. Um, this isn't a console war thing. I'm never going to celebrate this. This is awful. Um, I feel terrible for all those people. Um, I did make a video this week kind of talking about this like layoff um, thing that's going on and how I think it's a little personally, I think it's a little disingenuous to throw our hands up every time these layoffs get announced and pretend like it's the first layoffs that have ever happened. And, um, and, 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 and like look at the sky in disbelief, like, this stuff's happening and it's not going to stop. It's always been this way. It's definitely worse now than it has been, um, at least in quite a while. Um, the, there's a market correction happening and I know that the profits, the, the profits don't tell the right story. It seems kind of shady that these companies are making more money than ever. Um, I, I think the part of that that people don't consider is they're probably spending more money than ever as well. And I'm not justifying the layoffs. I would never do that. I think they suck. I think there's probably tons of ways they could handle this otherwise, but that's not what they're doing. And it doesn't look like that strategy is going to change anytime soon. And especially while, you know, most of these devs aren't unionized and have no real power in these situations. I, I just, I don't think it's going to change. So, um, I, I don't see the point of getting outraged every time you know, we talk about it. We talk about how terrible it is. Uh, we make it known that these things are happening, so they can't just kind of do them and hope that people don't notice. They put out their new flashy trailer or whatever. Um, I think that's the best thing we can do. I think you let the people who are actually impacted be the one to you know, get upset and, and, and advocate and, and speak um, instead of people who are just watching trying to almost like take on that role where it's, I don't think is really a general commentator's business. Um, that, that was kind of the point of the video I made. I don't know if I represented my opinion very well or explained it well. I just don't think, I, I don't think we have the knowledge or the know-how or, or the, the, the right perspective to be the authority on these things that are happening. Everyone knows it's bad. The people making the decisions knows it knows it's bad, right? So I just, I think you report what's going on. You know, we, we, we focus less on the uh, excited reaction to it and all of that. And we talk about facts and we talk about, you know, what's going on and, and we, you know, try to help, you know, hopefully, you know, talk about these people getting their jobs and finding new things to do. Um, I mean, really, the biggest thing I'm worried about with all these layoffs is, one, how many of these people leave the industry? 
uh, people with tons of experience and these PlayStation layoffs, uh, one of the naughty dog people who got laid off had been there for almost 20 years. They aren't just laying off like new people they hired during COVID. Now they may be keeping people they hired during COVID because they cost a fifth as much as the people who are getting laid off. You know, I'm sure that's part of this, but like, you know, and, and that dude who worked there for, or, or lady, I don't know who it was. I don't, I don't you know, for 20 years, are they going to go work at another studio? I mean, maybe, hopefully, you know, you don't want to lose that experience. Uh, but maybe they'll feel so hurt by this industry that they won't. Right. And that's the story with all these people who get laid off, even the newer people, you know, maybe they finally got their dream job at Naughty Dog and they love The Last of Us and, and, and Uncharted and they're, oh, my God, I grew up playing these games. Now I get to work on them. And, uh, you know, a year later, after you've relocated, you live in a new place, you're finally getting comfortable in this new city, and then you get laid off. Then what do you do, right? I, I worry about those people leaving the industry in the long term. In the short term, I obviously worry about their day-to-day, -day, you know, mental health and financials and all that. But what I also worry about in the long term are if you, if you were in college right now and you were in university or college and you were in a track that could potentially lead you down the path to becoming a game developer. You've always wanted to do that. It sounds so cool, but then you see all this stuff happening and you see that actually pay isn't really all that great, at least not for a while or not in the right positions. You see that you don't have a secure job basically anywhere. If, if the, if young people in that situation get to a point in their education where they can go towards game development or go towards anything else that will probably make them more money. That is probably a little bit more secure. The whole tech industry is kind of a, a nightmare, but we don't talk much about it. You know, this is going to drive people from the industry. Um, so your next Corey Borlo uh, Barlog, your next, you know, you know, big developer name. I don't know. Probably Howard, whatever may end up not even going into games because of these things, right? So in the short term, I feel awful for these people and the chaos and the pain and the hurt and the betrayal really in a way. Um, but I also feel for the long term and I worry for the long term of the whole industry because they're, they're going to lose a bunch of good people. And I really find it hard to believe that this industry right now is attractive to people who are about to get into something, right? So anyways, um, after some of these announcements, we also got some, uh, I'll call them rumors for now that former fire Sprite employees, uh, were talking about how there were some, um, pretty toxic behaviors going on, including, um, crunch, uh, sexual discrimination and ageism, uh, amongst the employees, uh, that hasn't really been substantiated yet. So, you know, these things happen after these layoffs where people are mad and they start, you know, spilling the beans. It's up to those people also, though, to kind of prove it or not. And sometimes, you know, the people who do these things are, are not dumb. And they uh, I think nowadays you probably see that yeah, people are probably a little more careful about the emails they send and and so on and so forth. So maybe not. I don't know. And then we also got news that amongst all of these uh, layoffs that they also canceled a twisted metal game um, that was in development uh, that um, was interesting because they have a twisted metal tv show now and most people assume that those two things were supposed to go together i guess the show was surprisingly decent even though it had the like anthony mackie i don't know 
anyways, um, so yeah, that was PlayStation this week. So there you go. Moving on to Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo is suing the makers of the Yuzu emulator uh, and has alleged that before Tears of the Kingdom was released, it was downloaded over a million times <laughs> and then used on this emulator. Um, so I would not want to be the people in charge of that emulator. Um, I guess one kind of damning part about this is that the emulator had a Patreon and that, to say the least, their uh, patronage <laughs> uh, exploded before Tears of the Kingdom. And it's um, pretty well believed that this was probably one of the more used perpetrators. Now, emulators aren't necessarily only used for, for you know stealing games. A lot of people justify using them, especially on Switch, because their hardware is so out of date the day it releases. And it doesn't play the, their own games very well. Um, a lot of people justify they buy the game and then they emulate it on their PC where it actually runs at like a modern frame rate and resolution. Now, that's obviously not everyone. And I'm sure many, many, many of these people were just stealing the game. And you don't mess with Nintendo, man. They're the most litigious uh, platform and it's not even close. Um, it's also probably the one that gets attacked the most because of their, uh, the nature of their, uh, games and stuff like that. But good luck to those people. That's probably a rough time. And it's going to be interesting if anyone, if anyone else tries to take up that mantle, I believe this was the most popular, uh, emulator. Um, and I suspect that there's gonna, there's always going to be like the underground, you know, kind of the, the, the quiet, uh, types of these things going on. Um, but you're probably at least going to see these uh, emulators not be as public and a little more, a little more quiet, but we'll see. Uh, there were also some rumors from a lot of people this week, which makes it feel pretty legit. That Switch 2 is actually targeting March of 2025 for release. I believe we talked a little bit about some of these rumors, but it seems like this week they got more solidified. Um, and, and the reason being is that they want to have a really good lineup of games and give the people making those games a little more space. Uh, it's assumed it was initially expected to come out probably later in 2024, even around the holiday. And it sounds like they're going to try to give uh, the devs a little bit more time to push some games out. Um, I'm interested, I'm interested in the switch too. My concern is that, uh, I, I believe even relatively recently, um, there, there, there were rumors that they set the hardware that is going to be in the system like years ago at this point. Um, if you don't know, Nintendo is in a very nice position, uh, business wise where they just hold on the game. Sometimes they'll have games that are completely done. Uh, and for no reason other than keeping the the wavelengths clear, they, they'll hold games back until it seems like it's the perfect time to release that game where it will get the most attention and sales. Um, it's the reason that they haven't released a new Switch uh, yet. They should have years ago. Uh, that 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 hardware is was arguably out of date the day it came out. Uh, and is now in its what seventh or eighth year of existence, and it's not getting any better, to say the least. Um, but they don't care because they've sold like 150 million of them and they, and they still sell. And really the only reason they're doing this next year is because I assume sales have dropped enough that they know it will be profitable and make a new system. But if that also means that they finalize the hardware for this new system a couple years ago, 
you know like this happens with all the platforms and the consoles right like the the xbox one x and the ps5 when they came out that hardware was probably finalized over a year before they came out but they were also trying you know when they finalized that hardware you know to a point it was the the high the, the top end when they finalized it that's not what's going to happen with switch they um the the, the rumor is that they're it's going to have dlss so even if it is fairly underpowered at launch, it's expected to be, I think, around the power of an Xbox One or a One X, um, obviously in a smaller screen, lower resolutions. It's expected to use DLSS, which is supposed to, you know, alleviate a lot of the issues that people have with their games where, you know, even their premier games run at maybe 30 FPS at like 720p. I think they max out at 1080, but I don't know how many games actually do that. I mean, that's in like handheld mode, let alone if you're putting it in dock mode and trying to play it on a TV where it's even worse, right? I just, I know that the first reaction when I talk about this stuff is people are always like, well, Nintendo doesn't, they're not trying to compete like that. And that's fine, but I really do believe that gamers' expectations are higher and they're getting higher. And like, like I think, especially moving forward, I think 1440p or 2K and 60 FPS is the standard. And we're already seeing with the PS5 and the Xbox Series X that that's not guaranteed. Uh, you know, you have with Final Fantasy, you know, the 7 Rebirth just came out and it runs at 30 FPS on uh, on PlayStation, which is it's a, it's basically a first party title, even though it's technically a third party exclusive. Then you had like Starfield, um, which... The Starfield one is kind of interesting because it's not really because it's so graphically intense. You know, anyone who played it, it's a pretty game. And I think it actually looks better than it's given credit for. Um, but that engine they use is really weird and dumb and is just really CPU heavy. And uh, the, the consoles are have good hardware, but it, it's just, you know, Starfield wasn't made for the console, basically. <laughs> so, um yeah, this is going to be interesting. And, and I think the final point I'll make about the uh, the Switch 2 thing is there's a really good chance a PS5 Pro comes out late this year or early next year around the same time as the Switch 2. And there's even a chance that the next generation of Xbox comes out in 2026. And so what is so wild about it is that you'll be seeing a potential mid-gen refresh and upgrade of the PlayStation. Um, and we may see the next-gen of Xbox within a year of the Switch 2, which is targeting the power of the current last gen. Again, I know people think they don't care about this. I, I know people are like, oh, Nintendo doesn't care. I just, I don't think they're in, in a defensible position. They're one of the richest companies in the world. They could care and they could still make so much money they could give their customers a better hardware experience if they wanted to. They just don't because they know their customers are going to buy it anyways. And, and I really wish their customers weren't so okay with that. But they put out bangers every year. Their first party games especially are amazing. So maybe I'm the one who's wrong. I probably am. Moving off the platforms, we go to EA. They are laying off 670 workers, which is around 5% of their staff. 
Uh, we also found out that the, a respawn a Star Wars first-person shooter was canceled. It's assumed this was the recently leaked or I think you know rumored Mandalorian game. Uh, I was pretty excited about that. Pretty bummed to hear it's not happening anymore. Um, this Ridgeline studio is being shut down. It was one of the studios that was in this kind of um, group of studios making Battlefield games. And Ridgeline was supposed to make a single-player game. Uh, but then the head of their studio who founded it left EA and it, within a day, they basically uh, are just pushing, you know, those devs back into other studios and they'll be taking a new strategy with Battlefield, I guess. Uh, obviously myself as a, as a Bioware stan or at least a, a newer fan um, who was pretty worried about this when it happened because they just went through some layoffs last year. Uh, it appears they were untouched as far as we know. Um, the IGN, I believe, reported, heard back from uh, Bioware or EA, uh, who confirmed that Dragon Age Dreadwolf is still, uh, they're still working on getting that out ASAP, uh, and that the next Mass Effect is still in pre-production. So, um, you know, you can take some solace in that uh, from all this bad news. Um, and then today, actually, uh, Jeff Grubb, or I believe it was last night, probably on their, um, on his whatever podcast, whatever it's called, um, talked about how Bioware is targeting 2024 for Dreadwolf, um, that uh, apparently the people he speaks to who are there are pretty much positive that that's going to happen. Uh, and that kind of goes along with um, what I've been expecting anyways. Uh, back in Dragon Age Day in December, they announced that they um, were going to do a full reveal of Dreadwolf in uh, the summer. Uh, whatever that means, I guess that's probably going to be June uh, amongst the other shows, uh, probably at one of the shows. And there were rumors that it was going to be a summer release. If they're revealing it in like June, I guess like an August release could happen. That's late summer. Um, I'm still more expecting like a holiday time game. Um, that obviously is of interest to me for two reasons. One, I really want to see what a Bioware game looks like in 2024. I'm kind of curious. I'm not one that's worried about making Dreadwolf a big like thermometer of where Bioware is at. That game has been in development for so long at this point that I just I find it so hard to believe that it's really going to they're just trying to get it out. But it sounds like they're trying to get it out in good shape. They're not just pushing it, which is good. Um, I still think the next Mass Effect is going to be the true indication of like what is Bioware in the modern time, right? So we'll have to wait and see what that is all about. Um, and then obviously I want this to come out because I want them to start working on Mass Effect. I, I want to know. It sounds like from I've done a little poking around and a little prodding. And I, I think that the rumors that the Mass Effect team ever got down to literally like a couple people just aren't true from what I've been able to gather. And just logically, it doesn't make sense. Um, and I've even speculated that the Bioware devs who left Mass Effect to help finish Dreadwolf probably aren't doing that anymore. My guess is they're back on Mass Effect and that from a pre-production standpoint, they're probably at full capacity um, in, in doing that thing. Because in uh, the comparison I made is that EA Motive, who's now working on Iron Man and still is, even though EA claims they're trying to get away from licensed games, I don't understand. EA Motive worked on Dreadwolf for about a year. I believe it was late 2022 until like August of 2023. And then they started working on their Iron Man game. 
So my guess is if they were borrowing studios and getting support from other teams, it's probably a similar arrangement. So my guess is that um, you know, early last year in the spring or even the late winter, um, some Mass Effect devs went over to Dreadwolf to help them work on it. And I would have to imagine by now they're probably back on Mass Effect and getting that pre-production going. And if they've been doing pre-production this long on Mass Effect and have a decent sized team of 25 to 30, uh, 25 to 50 people has been my guess. Um, they're probably not just doing like storyboards. Like I'm sure they're making vertical slices and, and doing a lot of stuff, even some tweets and kind of vague stuff from Mike Gamble, who's the head of the next Mass Effect game, um, has really alluded to things even like a couple years ago that they weren't just like thinking about what the game might be like, that they were making like decisions and big choices and like designing things um, for quite a while. So we'll see. But again, you know thoughts with all those people who lost their jobs um it's just a brutal thing right now and it's it's probably gonna be more of them next week so i guess get used to it or don't you know back off um final fantasy 7 rebirth came out on i believe it was on thursday uh has a metacritic score of 92 so um, the last couple of weeks, I've been watching a lot of uh, content creators and podcasters and stuff like that uh, play the remake of Final Fantasy VII. And then in the last day or two, I've been watching quite a bit of Rebirth play just out of like curiosity. I think I played a Final Fantasy like in the 90s. Couldn't tell you which one it was. No idea. Um, but I've never really been into the series despite owning a PlayStation for a long time. And um, I just I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, the the dialogue in Rebirth and Remake just is awful. The writing's so bad. And I think the character designs are like ugly. And I know they're trying to like, and I talked about it before, I think, they're trying to like evoke that like OG Final Fantasy VII, like blocky 3D. Like I get it. I, I, I know why everything looks the way it does. Um, I just, man it seems like uh, it's just as interesting that this game is getting scored so well i even put up a tweet about it being like this is like nostalgia right and i think it is i think a, a big part of the love for this game in in this three-part remake of one game they're doing which is a whole different discussion um i i think a lot of this reception is nostalgia and, and that that's fine there's nothing wrong with that that's totally cool it's everyone's right to do what they want. It's okay. Not complaining, not doing the console war thing. I don't care about that. I just, when I watch this game being played, I think that combat looks pretty fun and everything else looks tedious and awful. Like I get, they got like the boob physics and that uh, Tifa is, is stacked uh, like, like a, like an IHOP. Um, I just don't, I don't get it, but it's not for me to get. I'm not the target audience, and that's okay. Okay, next up, uh, Bellatro, a card game uh, made by Playstack, uh, was profitable in under one hour of sales. I watched uh, Snowbike Mike from Kind of Funny play this for a little bit. Not my jam at all. It's like a roguelite poker game, but not really. You just need to go watch a video to understand, because I still, I like watched a few hours of this and still don't really get it. 
Uh, but yeah, good for them, you know, to make back your money and then become profitable in an hour on Steam. That should definitely power some projects in the future. Um, unfortunately, it may also be a problem uh, that they may have to use that money to pay for some uh, things coming up where uh, apparently um, a ratings board somewhere changed their rating of the game, which it caused it to be taken down from a bunch of storefronts. Uh, I haven't seen specifics on this. My guess is that it's getting taken down in storefronts in certain countries or wherever this ratings board changed. Supposedly, they decided that some of the uh, mechanics in the game were akin to gambling or simulated gambling, even though you aren't actually gambling money, which I kind of get because you're still trying, you know, even if you aren't gambling money by, you know, having people gamble. Uh, especially if that's the focus of the game in, 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 in a way. I get it, but it's probably bullshit crap, right? So, uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting for them. Um, I, I feel it makes you feel for them because they initially have this news of like, holy crap, we made our money back from this whole development in an hour. We're living the dream. And then a couple of days later, uh, have to deal with this issue. So good luck to the PlayStack team. I hope they get that figured out very quickly. Um, Insider Gaming came out with some details about Assassin's Creed Infinity. This is if people remember from the uh, Ubisoft day, what was it in 2023, I think, where they did this weird thing where they kind of gave us the impression there's going to be an Assassin's Creed like hub game where you access all the other Assassin's Creed games through this game. Whatever that means, Ubisoft's always out there, man. Uh, so some details on this is that it's expected um, to be the, the hub for the whole franchise, uh, including games moving forward, um, that it itself is a game and is going to present a modern day story uh, and, and it's going to launch along with Assassin's Creed Red, the game that's going to take place in Japan. Uh, and, and those are both going to be expected sometime later this year. Super weird, um, very interesting. I've actually said for years that I would love a modern day Assassin's Creed game. Um, I think they've stayed away from it because it would be pretty hard to try to incorporate the mechanics of all the games, that, even the more modern ones they've done, in a truly modern world. It's just with guns and tech and all that. Like, I get it. I get why they've stayed away from it. Um, I still want to see it, though. Um, from the wording of this report, I don't really get the impression that Infinity itself is going to be this full, like, full-on game. It sounds like it's going to be kind of a weird, like, a smaller experience that also connects you to all of your other games. Um, Assassin's Creed is a weird one for me. I love the first three games, uh, and I actually didn't play any of the games after that until Origins. So I know I missed a few good games in there. Um, and I liked Origins, but I did kind of, like, hold my nose up at like and eh, they're starting to do the looter shooter thing here and then with odyssey they went all in on that and same with valhalla and it's like what's tough for me like origins was cool because it was about the origins of the, the assassin's creed right um and then odyssey and valhalla like i don't want to say they like shoehorned the assassin's creed stuff in there i mean odyssey they they definitely did Valhalla, they tried to incorporate it more naturally, and that's cool. Um, I just feel like they just kind of started making a new franchise and just call it Assassin's Creed. It's kind of how I feel about Ghost Recon, where, you know, Wildlands and Breakpoint, they have their fans. I think they kind of aren't very good games. Um, but I would probably be way more forgiving of them if they weren't Ghost Recon games. 
um, because they're kind of just Ghost Recon in name and some flavor, right? And that's kind of how I feel about the newer Assassin's Creed games, even though they're well-liked. Um, my issue with Valhalla was the fact that it's like an 80-hour baseline story. Nope. I did not like playing that game enough to play it for that long to just get the main story. So I, I noped out of that pretty quick. But I'm at least curious about this. I, I really hoped uh, I would get into Mirage which came out last year and was supposed to be kind of like a kickback to the trilogy days, the, the first three games. And it just looked off. It, it was hard. I, I liked it, but it was one of the ugliest games I've ever played. And then I, it wasn't my computer. Like I have a good computer. Um, I couldn't get over that. And I just didn't care about the characters because I didn't play Valhalla. So I had no connection to the main character. I played a little bit of Valhalla, not very much. And so, um, yeah, I, I'll be watching this Assassin's Creed thing from afar. Uh, Larian developers, uh, the developer of Baldur's Gate 3, have received uh, threats and toxicity from their community or from some parts of the community. Uh, devs receiving uh, threats and toxicity after the announcement of cross-platform mod support, which you would think would be a good thing. Uh, but that came along with you know them talking about how some of the existing mods may no longer work with the game when they do this mod support, and they'll essentially have to start some of those projects from scratch. I kind of understand being upset about that a little bit. If you've been working on mods for the last you know seven eight months, and um, the thing that people need to realize is that Baldur's Gate three is gonna like people are gonna play Baldur's Gate three for the next fifteen years. And so what, what I don't think people are realizing is, yeah, it's frustrating if work you've done for the last six months is potentially going to get trashed. But you have to realize that, you know, when they put in this mod support, because they have a proprietary engine, they don't use Unreal, they don't use Unity, they aren't using some well-known engine. It's their own engine they made from scratch, right? And so it's hard to mod for. I've even seen it myself when I've looked at mods. They're basically like, like the mods are pretty minimal in that game. Like you're basically just putting stuff in like new items and clothing, stuff like that. And like reskinning things. It's pretty basic. But what this will do is making it mod compatible um, will allow people to do like their own levels and their own, like they'll be able to really add to the game. Right. And so, yeah, like, <laughs> doing threats and being toxic and stuff to the, the people who work there over this is just really, really dumb. Um, they also mentioned <laughs> during this that uh, it has over 10 million players. Um, I'm currently on my third playthrough, uh, really, really enjoying it. I hadn't played it in a few months and a few patches. They added a lot of stuff. I have learned how to play the game much better and fully experience it. And it's just been, it's been really great. Um, to the point where I already have another playthrough or two kind of planned in my head um, after probably a little bit of a break. It's a pretty intense game to play. Um, and I've been playing it way too much. I don't want to talk about how many hours I've done in like two weeks. Anyways, um, the, my one beef with this is that I, I kind of hate... I hate when developers will give attention to a, like a like a really tiny number of people who go like way too far. Um, you should definitely contact the authorities, contact, you know, do the things you're supposed to do. But sometimes it almost feels like it turns into a little bit of like a pity thing where they're trying to be like, look how awful these people are. And we're all like, yeah, we know people suck. Um, so th there's a fine line between just saying like, yeah, yeah, hey, don't do this. This sucks. And, and I think that's fine. But the, 
it's because I think what you end up doing is encouraging the behavior um, that, you know, the, the people who were doing it or even other people who were like about to do it, see like, oh, those people did the thing I was thinking about or the thing I did. And now everyone's talking about it and they don't care if it's a negative uh, response. That's just a response. And that's what these kind of people want. So it's a tough thing to balance. I'll let them make those decisions on whether or not they should do that. Uh, some quick stories here. Um, uh, Remedy has acquired the rights to the Control franchise from 505 Games. Uh, this was kind of a weird move because this was probably a pretty profitable thing for 505 Games. And then we found out that 505 Games, who I believe was the publisher, uh, is closing down multiple offices in multiple countries. So my guess is 505 Games is not doing great right now. And they could use that money infusion from Remedy, who is doing pretty well. And um, yeah, that's probably not great news for 505 Games. So let the wonderful year continue. Uh, Embracer Group is selling off studios. Thank goodness. Uh, Saber Interactive uh, is being sold to private investors. Uh, they are the um, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic uh, remake studio. Um, it seems like people are still pretty skeptical that that game ever sees the light. But I believe it was Jason Schreier said that that game is still being worked on, um, but didn't seem too confident about it ever seeing the light of day. Uh, Gearbox is another one uh, that is being sold to another company, quote unquote. Uh, and they're, the, I believe, the um, Borderlands folks, uh, which is an interesting one because... Um, they said to another company, it didn't say to private investors, uh, like Saber. And so obviously that's kicked off all the speculation. I mean, Microsoft is a pretty natural landing spot for something like that. Um, it's more than likely, I, I would see it potentially being, um, more of a deal, um, like Amazon or like, I suspect it's going to be one of those things you would think it would be embracer, but they're being unembraced. Thank goodness for them. I think we're going to see this from Embracer a lot. I think they're going to be dumping off studios like crazy. Um, and I really hope um, that those studios find landing spots uh, or at least like go indie and have publishers that are willing to fund them um, because there's some really cool games and IP uh, in those studios. And I really don't want to see that go away. And then the final thing is uh, Rockstar Games is requiring full-time back-to-office work for their devs to help finish up Grand Theft Auto year uh, 6 over the next year or so. Um, not being received real well. A lot of these people are pretty mad that they're expected to come back full-time. You know, my job stuck with a hybrid schedule. I go into the office a couple times a week, um, and it's mostly like to print stuff and scan things and, and do meetings and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I love my job more than I've ever loved it. Um, I have the best work-life balance I've ever had in my entire life. My job doesn't feel like my main thing anymore, but I still perform it at a high level. I, I, I get that maybe in these creative jobs, it seems like everyone being in person is essential, and maybe it is. I don't know. Um, I, I think that especially doing this so bluntly um, is tough, and I believe it's supposed to take effect in a few weeks. Um, so you're talking about people having to like, you know, people who got hired remotely, uh, who maybe live across the country or in a different country from Rockstar have to like figure this out uh, really fast and up in their lives, which is then you add on the whole specter of all these layoffs happening. Um, and that's terrifying. Uh, imagine being one of these devs who you may have this awesome job at Rockstar, um, but now you're expected in the next month, month and a half to pick up, move there, move your entire life there, 
heaven forbid you have kids, you know, partner, all that stuff. Uh, and then maybe, you know, uh, a year from now, after Rockstar releases Grand Theft Auto 6, they do a bunch of layoffs and you get fired. And now you upended your whole life. Um, you're just getting settled. It's kind of like what I talked about before. Uh, and now you're out of luck. So I don't know. Hate to end on a somber note, but it's not really that somber. It's just what's happening. And that is all I have for this week. And that's where we're going to wrap it up once again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and please consider participating in the next show by submitting a question or comment in the discord or on the show's Google form or in the YouTube comments or on Twitter, wherever you can find it. Let me hear you. Uh, you can find me all over the internet as bond diesel, including over on Twitch and on YouTube. Uh, you can see my other content or find ways to support this show and everything else I do by checking out the link in the description below or of the show. That is all I have for this one. So until next time.